There's something sinister below the Denver International Airport, part one. Around a year ago, a gentleman named Mark was hired by the DIA to work on its concourse train system. At the time of his hiring, Mark had just moved to Colorado and was struggling to find a job. So he applied to the DIA, the Denver International Airport. And much to his surprise, as he had no experience, they hired him to work on the lower levels at the train station. Many don't know it, but there's actually a little train located under the DIA, and it runs between each concourse. These are concourses A, B, and C, and they are each of the buildings that make up the Denver airport. He had a really easy going boss, the job paid well, and it was pretty straightforward, so Mark was really enjoying it at the time. The train itself required a lot of maintenance to keep it up and running, so Mark kept busy working 50 to 60 hours a week. And of course, the train couldn't be shut down during the day, so they would have to decommission it at night and clean the components once a week. So for Mark, the vibe was right. Everything was going good in his life. He had a steady job, money in his pockets, and he was even beginning to enjoy Colorado. Mark's good life went on for months, until one night when he was covering somebody's shift at the DIA, everything changed. At the time of the incident, Mark was no stranger to the conspiracy theories surrounding the Denver International Airport. Being that he was the new guy, he was the recipient of all the old spooky tales that the veterans were eager to tell, like the tale of Blucifer, the big blue horse that stands in front of the DIA. Known for killing its creator, Blucifer is said to represent end times and the coming apocalypse. Rumor has it his red hot eyes can glow deep into your soul and they can drive the most sane man mad. Or that the Freemasons and Illuminati are rooted deep within the culture below the DIA. This is represented in what look like beautiful murals and paintings scattered throughout the walls. And we can't forget the underground tunnels and the shape of the airport itself. Or the incident that took place almost a decade ago when 14 different planes, windshields just shattered out of nowhere. Though it was labeled a weather-related anomaly, many believe that it was from electromagnetic pulse testing done deep within the underground tunnels. But what the population doesn't know is these are the public's theories. The real stories are whispered among the people that work there, especially those that are employed in the tunnels. These accounts have an even more evil ring to them. He heard most of the older conspiracies from the janitors that had been there since the 90s. For example, the ones that had worked in the underground tunnels had heard a loud moaning sound, one that was both high and low pitched, like it was from a crowd of people. For the most part, they only heard this loud moaning at night, and they said sometimes it would drive them crazy. There was also the story of the employee who got lost, and he was lost for a few days trying to find his way to the top and apparently he stumbled upon a room that had weird glyphs all over it and a keypad like nothing he had ever seen this keypad was mounted on the wall and they called it the keypad to nowhere luckily he didn't press any of the buttons he found his way out and was okay in concourse 23 that was supposedly located below the abandoned automatic baggage tunnels. This area is said to have ties with the army or even German military. And one of the janitors, they called him Old Tom because he had been there since the opening of DIA, complained about a supersonic frequency or noise that bothered him regularly. 
He claimed this noise would make him feel ill to his stomach or kind of stupid, foggy, like he couldn't think. He believed it was some sort of mind control experiment. But this new employee really didn't buy into all that. Though he liked to hear the stories, he didn't believe any of them had merit. But he goes on to say that there is something oddly eerie about the place, very unusual, and that the locals, when building the DIA, were very angry at the costs and how much it kept going up as the project went on. Their main complaint was that the previous airport, the Stapleton, didn't really have anything wrong with it, and that there was no need to build a new airport. And it was built in the middle of nowhere, in a low valley no less. For the most part, this gentleman believed that the conspiracies were fantasy, that they had no backing and were mostly just to poke fun at new guys. But there was one conspiracy in particular that did intrigue him, and it was because he worked by it every day. This one was about the locked door in the underground tunnels between Concourse B and C. It seemed to be tucked away nicely between the fans that kept the air circulating in the tunnels. And virtually every employee who had worked in the underground tunnels had tried to use every key they had to open it, but no one could. So all the employees walked by this locked door daily, and virtually every one of them had tried to use all their keys to open it, but not one worked. Some figured it was just a prank by the staff to see who was honest and who would try to open the door. Others figured it was nothing but a maintenance closet with a water heater in it. Nevertheless, a large number of them continued to speculate that it was something like a Masonic meeting room or a tomb. Some even suggested that it was a door that led to an underground military base that kept anti-gravity and alien craft in it. The new guy pondered over it often. He found himself thinking about it when he lay his head down at night. But he really just thought it was some joke or a trick. Nevertheless, his imagination continued to run wild. And as he worked, months went by and nothing out of the ordinary happened until one day. It was late at night in the end of his shift and he was getting ready to leave when suddenly he saw the flash of a bright light and a flicker. He immediately recognized it as a flashlight that was getting pointed towards him, then away from him. Curiously, he walked up to the glass door that separated the underground tunnels from the airport and he peered in. He figured to see something normal, like a coworker looking for some maintenance items or somebody making their last rounds, but it was far from it. He saw a man kneeling in front of the locked door. He was wearing a pristine black suit and a gas mask. He kept peering over his shoulder as if paranoid, looking up and down the track to make sure nobody was around. He had his back turned so the new guy went unseen and he watched and observed as he seemed to mess around with a bag or something of the sort. The gloss finish on his black dress shoes shined in the dim light of his flashlight. His mind began racing with thoughts of the conspiracies he had heard from his co-workers. He observed nervously, hoping he was going to enter the locked door, when suddenly he turned around looking at Concourse C. The new guy slid behind the wall immediately. He did not want to be seen. His heart was in his throat. He stood there briefly not knowing why he didn't want the man to see him, but he just didn't. And when he had caught his breath, he peered back around the corner, and the man was gone. After that, he didn't wait around any longer. He left for home immediately, confused and scared. As his head hit the pillow, he couldn't help but replay what he saw in his mind over and over again. 
He'd show up to work the next day, but he hadn't decided whether he should tell his fellow employees or not. So he shows up to work the next day, dog-tired from being up all night. After getting to work, he had decided to ask a co-worker that he was close to about the man. He decided to ask her over anyone else because he didn't want to be deemed a crackpot or a liar that was just trying to add to the lore of the place. As she was exiting the break room, he quickly walked up to her and said, Hey, I saw something last night. She skeptically raised an eyebrow. Something here. I picked up a late night shift and I was getting ready to leave when I saw a man dressed in all black wearing a gas mask by the locked door. He didn't look official, or I mean, he looked too official, he said. A gas mask, she said, clearly not amused. He nods. I know it's legal here, she said, but take it easy. He rolls his eyes and kind of shakes his head. She sighs. It could have just been a fed checking for an EMP, she says. Or maybe even a second inspector doing cosplay, she kind of chuckles to herself. But it is pretty weird. Just don't tell Tom. They both laugh. He could feel the adrenaline from fear rising like a volcano in his gut. Who was that man, he thought to himself. She looks over and can see the distress on his face. She quickly pulls him aside and lowers her voice to a whisper. Look, this wouldn't be the first time somebody had witnessed a man dressed in all black, mysteriously wandering the area late at night. But you're better off to forget about it. It's just another day at the office. He looked at her and smiled, wondering whether or not she was telling the truth or lying just to appease him. She winks at him and then walks away. But it was on this night that his worst fears came true. Once again, before the end of his shift, the supervisor had asked him to stay late and do one last inspection on the train as it had been malfunctioning all day. It was very late at night. He was virtually the only one there. There was nobody left in the tunnel. Of course they would ask me to stay late the night before my three-day weekend, he thought to himself. He made his way towards the train and his heart began pounding as he was approaching the locked door. And that's when his feet turned into heavy bricks. He inches closer to the door and his legs feel heavier and heavier until he reaches it. That's when he glances over and sure enough, it's open. He notices a bright light emanating from the door, looks around, makes sure nobody's there and steps in. He stepped in, squinting his eyes because the glare was so bright, but he could see the rest of the room after they adjusted. It was about 300 square feet and it was made of a light steel-like metal. It was completely empty. There wasn't a soul in sight. On both sides of the room were two heavy doors. One was pitch black and the other was pure rust. Both doors were closed. The rusty one was at a slight angle. He glances over at the black door and sees the gas mask. He looked at it for a few moments and even contemplated putting it on. When suddenly, boom, the door to the tunnels slammed shut. Panicked, he sprinted to the door, hoping that it would open without a problem, but it was locked. He ran over to the black door and grabbed the handle. It moved with ease, but he pushed and pulled, and no matter how hard he tried, it just wouldn't open. He slowly turned around and looked at the door covered in rust. It looked almost evil. It was so rusty and seemingly weather-beaten, the flakes of rust were piled up around the front of the door. He approaches it cautiously, grabs the handle, and pushes it down. It opened. At first, it was stuck, but as he gave it everything he had, it finally broke free and made a loud screeching sound as it opened. Inside was a dimly lit staircase that descended to the darkness below. He hesitated for a moment, but his curiosity got the best of him. He took the first step, and before you know it, he was counting one, two, three, 
one, two, three. And he figured he had gone down about five stories when they stopped. He glances back up and can barely see the dim light from the top of the stairs. Then enters the corridor. It was complete darkness, but eventually his eyes adjusted and it seemed the tunnel gave off a red glow. He glances up towards the end of it and sure enough, an exit. He gasped in relief. Eventually the tunnel opened up to a cavernous area that the height of it seemed so high he couldn't even see it. He glances back at the tunnel and notices that above the doorway there was a sign that said the abyss looks back. He walks into the cavern and he can hear his footsteps echoing throughout when suddenly a light shines from above. It lights up a small metal table in the middle of the room, under it a black chair. He approaches and notices a pool of odd liquid surrounding the table, but then sees a black binder on top of it. The top of the binder read, hope to God it doesn't happen, in case of a breach procedure. He grabs the book and flips it open. At the top, it says quarantine procedures. He fumbles it, it hits the table, making a loud noise. As soon as that notebook hit the table, he knew he screwed up, and it started immediately. It began a dull roar, and then almost a hissing sound, with loud screeches throughout it. Mark was looking everywhere, trying to locate the source of the sound with no luck. When in the dense blackness, he made out what looked to be a large chasm to his left. He moves towards it with caution because he can barely see the faint edge. He slowly shuffled his way up to it and looked down. And that's when he saw them. It was a sick horde of black bodies. It looked like one entity. They were intertwined with each other, tangled together, always moving. He couldn't tell if it was for pain or pleasure. As he looked around, he could see tunnels laden throughout the wall of the chasm. He was almost in a trance watching them in awe thinking to himself, this is almost like a hive. That's when suddenly, 30 or 40 of them instantly looked up at him and he could see the whites of their eyes. Mark let out a quick screech and took a couple steps backwards, tripping and falling to the ground. While on the ground, he hears a loud clang behind him. He looks and there's five or six of them fighting over the metal table and the notebook he was just looking at. He stands up and they all freeze and look at him. They seemed almost baffled. They hadn't seen somebody in possibly decades. Mark is terrified while the creatures seem curious. They cock their head to the side and let out a loud screech. They suddenly lunged at him and began chasing him. He ran with all his might. He could hear the creatures battling and fighting for the best position, chasing him down, clawing and scratching just to get to him. He didn't even take the time to look back because they were so close to him. Due to their fighting, he finally started to gain a little distance when he came upon a massive wall that went straight up, thinking to himself, God, please let there be an exit. And as he's reaching the wall, he hears a loud whistle to his left. He glances towards the sound and he can't believe his eyes. It's the man in black wearing his mask, waving at him. Come here, this way. As he was just about to take off, Mark looks back one more time at the Wendigo-like creatures, and they were so wretched, he froze in fear. The agent yells, hey! He snaps out of it and starts running towards him with all of his might. He ran with everything he had. He reached the door, and the agent pulled him inside, not angrily, but as if he was trying to save his life. As Mark passed the threshold of the door, the agent started pushing it shut. He took a couple seconds to gather his wind. 
He yells, thanks. The agent gives him a thumbs up and points at the stairs. He looks and the stairs lead up to the black door. As Mark starts to sprint up the stairs, he notices an insignia carved above the black door. He turns around and yells, wanting to ask the agent so many questions. The agent says, go. He turns and grabs a massive pistol out of his holster. Mark again starts sprinting up the stairs. He stops quickly to turn around. The agent is no longer in sight. He can only see the bright flashes from the gun. He thinks to himself, man, those flashes are much brighter than any gun I've ever seen. That's no ordinary powder pistol. He hears six shots ring out and six loud screeches from the creatures. Each of them high-pitched screams with low-pitched grumbling noises. When Mark hears the last screech, he stumbles for a quick second, but gathers his footing and continues up the stairs. That's when he gets a better look at the insignia. It was a lion wearing a crown and a unicorn wearing a jeweled necklace, holding a shield split into four sections. On top of the shield was an open eye with an iris shaped like a 23-point star. He only knows this because he had time to count as he waited for the black door to open. It turns out the black door was a tinted glass portal to an elevator. Mark frantically pushed the red button on the touchscreen next to the elevator, cursing how slow it was. He heard one last shot ring out with a loud screech. Must have reloaded, thought Mark to himself. The screech sent chills down his spine, and the door loudly beeped and flung open. He threw himself inside. A soft female voice spoke out, leaving sub-basement 23. Decontamination in progress. And he looks up and sees jetters all over the ceiling. And just in time, he looks at the floor, and it begins spraying him. The stuff was cold and almost melted his clothes right off. The doors flung open and across the hall was the actual black door from the beginning of the night. He went, grabbed the door handle, it was unlocked. He went in. It was a 300 square foot room and then he saw the infamous locked door. As he approaches it, he glances over at the rusty door. That too was shut tight. He quickly ran up to it, grabbed the handle and pulled it open. It was unlocked. It was now daylight and first shift was starting. It had been hours since he'd been in there. Disoriented and with a tattered uniform, he walks through the tunnels and he runs into his friend. Looking at him with suspicious eyes, Hey, are you still here? The boss said you had went home, but you never checked back in with him. What's going on? Hey man, are you okay? You look all wet. What happened? I thought I heard a loud scream. A lot of people did. Yeah, 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 I'm fine, Mark says. No, wait, no, I'm not fine. I'm not feeling well. Will you tell the boss for me? Oh, and I didn't get a chance to fix the fans. I gotta go. Okay, sure, she says, but get some rest as he ran out the doors. He didn't get a wink of sleep that weekend. He kept replaying the events over and over and over again in his mind, pondering whether this certain insignia represented an organization or a potential cabal that was protecting humanity from these creatures. But why were they keeping them alive? Were they human experiments or were they possibly going to use them for war? These thoughts just kept racing through his mind. But there was one thing that never stopped replaying. The phrase that rattled in his head the most was, The abyss looks back. The most disturbing part of all this is as he lay there with his head on his pillow on the last night of his three-day weekend, he couldn't wait to go back to work to investigate it further. He had to find and meet the agent. He had to know what those were. He wasn't going to stop until he got to the bottom of it. So I hope y'all liked that video. I thought it was lit when I read it. 
on Reddit, and uh, I had to share it. And obviously, I put my own twist on it and threw my own little uh, vibe about it, as always. So uh, let me know what you guys think in the comments, and let me know if you guys think you would like more similar content. Um, I'm thinking about doing the story about the two friends that broke into the bunker in Chernobyl and ran into similar creatures. Uh, humanoids that have gone feral or rogue and, and turned into dungeon-like monsters. It's the same type of stories you hear about the alleged dumbs all over the world with massive groups of people tossed in cages or cages, um, caves, and they literally start to have to survive by terrible means, just terrible means. So that was just a crazy look at, uh, you know, um, obviously it's for entertainment purposes only, guys. You all know that. That's a given. Uh, this was a long time coming for me. I haven't done anything on the DIA, the Denver International Airport. I have never done any content on them, and people have been asking me to do it for a couple of years now so i finally got it in for you guys i hope you enjoyed it again like comment and share the crap out of this video i think it has a lot of potential uh, and i'd really like to see it pop guys so comments are the most important factor in pushing the algorithm i'm finding out they want interaction between people um debating uh, arguing it don't matter uh even the haters matter if they comment whether it's hate or not, that's okay. They're pushing me to the algorithm. So give them crap back, though, if you want, because that pushes the algorithm, too. So, you know, I always know my night guy people always stick up for me. So I get a lot of flack, but that's okay. I love it. It just lets me know that I'm having fun and I'm getting somewhere, right? But I do miss you guys. I haven't been live in a while. Um, so maybe plan on me going live tonight. Got to do a little grocery shopping, get some uh, necessities, and... Then I'm coming back and hopefully maybe going to hop on live. I got a lot to talk to you guys about, a lot going on. Some crazy stuff saw by the International Space Station. I heard some amazing vocals from alleged Bigfoot. And I want to share that with you guys as well. Wildest shit you'll ever hear, promise you. So, And I've been thinking about sharing my um, Google Earth Discovery I've been getting pushed by a lot of people that I should share it. So I've been really thinking about sharing that, guys. So you don't want to miss it. Anyhow, stay in the love, stay in the light. And remember, truth can be stranger than fiction. I am out.